All right, and we're back once again with the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows, including the Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and of course, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. I'll tell you what, we're both excited, both myself and my guests, because they're they're rolling. That's all I can say. The Lakers are rolling indeed. This man was right. I should have believed him all along. 3-0 3-0 and on the road trip, and then ended all off like almost like a cherry, a Marciano cherry on top of the ice cream sundae. They topped it all off with a great win over Minnesota. Could have played a little bit better defense. He is the man indeed from Lakerholics.net. You got to be a part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. It is Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom. And Tom, just great to have you back. And I can tell you're all smiles <laughs> when I see you right now. Yep. Well, you know that was that was one great week of Lakers basketball. Uh, we even got a little load management in there where LeBron and AD got a little bit of rest, kept up our record of not losing two games in a row. And the way they did it was just so impressive. Last night's game was—you're absolutely right—was the cherry on top of the Sunday because. Uh, Anthony Davis, 20 of 29 for 50 points, four steals, one block shot, dominated the game completely. Well, LeBron basically had a half night off because of being in foul trouble. Although LeBron came out and thought you could have thought it was Steph Curry out there firing three-point shots from deep. His step-back shot was just nailing it. Uh, six out of eight from long distance, 31 points, 13 assists. It was just a fabulous performance by the Lakers all around. And the newest Lakers star uh, trying to buy for the number three spot, uh, Alex Caruso, had a season-high 16 points, four assists, four rebounds, fabulous defense all night long. Um, You just can't say enough about this team. They are really rolling. They are really rolling indeed. They did a great job as far as on the offensive end, trying to facilitate the offense with one notable exception, and I think you saw it too. When LeBron got into early foul trouble and he had to step out of the game and AD had to get his rest because, my gosh, you know, you're throwing up all those shots and getting 50 points. You got to go on the bench sometime and catch a blow. But you saw it and I saw it as well. The Lakers did have a hard time facilitating points in that short time span. So one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, I know the coaching staff is looking at that period of time, saying to themselves, how can we go ahead and manufacture more points in the offense to give, hopefully, and eventually, uh, you know, LeBron and AD more of a break because they need those times where they're not having to both have to be staggered on and off the floor, where there's a good, there's got to be a point in time where the team has enough confidence in, in the other players to go ahead and manufacture those points because, it, you know, as you and I both saw, they weren't in that short period of time able to go ahead and keep the lead at a very high level. They lost traction on it, and LeBron, I think, had to be put back into the game, if I'm not mistaken, or AD, one of them, in order to go ahead and create that offense once again. So I want to hear your thoughts, what they need to do. or you know, Am I overreacting on that? Because I well, don't think so. Many things, there's not many things left for you to react on. Yeah. Well, that's the big problem. I mean – if you want to, if you're a glass half full guy, and I'm not saying you're a glass half full guy, the team is playing so well. And, and I think that what we saw, we've seen in the last two blowouts that they really have the ability to step on the throat of the opponents once they get them down. 
And I think what was really important about the Trailblazers game, everybody comes, everybody seems to come out, or the Timberwolves games, everybody seems to come out and shoot lights out against us right from the start of every game. And, and there were a lot of contested shots in there. But I think what we're really missing both in those periods when we want to have AD and LeBron both rest, uh, I think we're missing Rondo for the offense and uh, Bradley for the defense. Um, so we had two players that were really key players to the team missing. They're probably two of our seven best players on the team at this point in time. And so them being out really caused that to blow that 19-point lead and get down to, to where we had to really build it back up again. But there was really never any fear of, of losing that game. Uh, all of those situations that we used to find over the last six years where the Lakers would get a big lead and lose it, and, and you'd be sitting there you know, knowing what's coming, you know, knowing that the team was going to blow this lead and blow this game. I didn't have any fears of that in the last couple of games. I mean, the team was just playing so well. And Anthony Davis has become so efficient. Offensively, we've really picked it up. You know, I mean, Frank Vogel himself said, hey, the offense has caught up with the defense now. Lakers as a team had the number four offensive rating after last night, the number five defensive rating, and that translated into the number two net rating. Uh, they're, now, they're now the number seven or number six best three-point shooting team in the league after such a horrible start where we were doing terrible. And lo and behold, the number one three-point shooter on the team is Rajon Rondo, who's shooting 52.8% from deep um, and has, has made like six, uh, 11 of his last 14 three-point shots. Uh, so, you know, we, we, lost, uh, we lost a lot of firepower when you have Rondo out, and we lost a lot of firepower on defense with Bradley out. Or out. But I think we've done a terrific job in just guys picking up the pace. Uh, third, the, the next man up sort of philosophy really went through there. And uh, there was a lot of questions. Who's going to get the minutes with Bradley and, and out of the game and Rondo out? And, and it turns out it was Alex Caruso who played 30 minutes and, and really came through with a terrific performance. So we've got great depth on this team. Um, I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. Um, and that's what's really exciting about the season. When you look at, at the record that we've got at 21-3, and three, how well we've been playing, how well we've been playing on the road especially. You know, we're 11-0 and 0 on the road uh, after going out. And all of those fears everybody had about those three tough road games at the start of December have sort of disappeared now. I'm waiting for the next series of articles because we've got five. We've got a five-game road trip coming on now going to the East and playing – the best teams in the East. Uh, we start off with Orlando, then go down to Miami on Friday, uh, follow that up with hopefully an easy game against the Hawks. Then we got two tough games on the 17th. We played the Pacers in Indianapolis. And then the the game everybody's really now waiting for almost more than the Clippers game, which is on the 19th when we play the Milwaukee Bucks, who also have just three losses. So those five games will really tell you what the – what kind of team this Lakers team is. I think that there's a good chance that they're going to go through there and win four or five of those games. The Bucks game is probably going to be the toughest one. The Bucks have been blowing people up by 40 points, so they're really going to be a challenge. I'm more worried about that game than probably the Clippers game on Christmas. So it's going to be an interesting situation. The Lakers, again, lose a game, turn around and start a win streak. So they've done that three times this year. And I think that they have a good shot of going through the next five games and 
and really getting some separation from other teams in the West. And that's what I really wanted to see. That, you know, that we've got a four-game lead right now in the loss column. The next best team has got seven losses. Um, ironically, there's a couple of teams in the East that still have just three, five, and six losses. So there's going to be some good competition. The Miami game is going to be a tough game. The Pacers game is going to be a tough game. It'll be Frank Vogel's return to Indianapolis. And you know the Bucs are, are just itching. They, they don't get the credit that they deserve for how well they've been playing. And they're going to be eager to show the Lakers that they're the best team in the league. So that's going to be a matchup that's going to be really going to determine exactly who's sitting on top of the league as we head into the new year. Well, I'll just say this: when it concerns the road trip ahead, and you when you you said it with the Bucks, you know, being on the tail end of it, that'll also be at the tail end of the road trip, and that's the problem for the Lakers because you're tired five games in ten days, game day off, game day off, game day off. So they will be fatigued when they roll into Milwaukee. So I can go see back, that. Go back to back, so which is a good thing. And, yeah, and, but still, it's yep. you, they'll be feeling it. They'll be feeling it when they hit to Milwaukee. I can I can assure you. I just wanted to get back to one thing when I was talking about that period of time when both LeBron and AD were out and trying to facilitate points. I I'm not I'm not going to say I'm a glass half full kind of guy, even though my bottle is half full as <laughs> I say this. But I do want to say that. It's something where you're as as a GM, Rob Palenka, or as a coaching staff, you look at those times and saying, okay, if LeBron's out with load management or if LeBron's out with an injury or, God forbid, something happens to AD or you just want to give AD a day off, you know, you have to go ahead and understand exactly who is going to be able to play in those moments when you don't have those other two making it easy for you. And yes, Rajon Rondo has been doing great and obviously 52% three-point shooting. Can he keep that up? I don't know. 50% three-point no. shooting by NBA players you know, has rarely been done in the league. So I would probably say not. But still, you're right. For him facilitating the offense, him not being there, at least on that end, still you know, was a, was a big issue for the Lakers. But the Lakers staff have to use those points of time and understand, hey, we've got to look at all types of scenarios. We're 21-3. We're doing awesome on both ends of the floor for the most part. And we have to go ahead and look at those scenarios, those what-if scenarios, and be able to prepare for them in the right way. So if they do ultimately happen, which there's a possibility. I mean, it's an 82-game season. You do have to give those guys uh, like AD and LeBron a day off now and then, a game off now and then and whatnot. That's understandable these days in the world that we live in in the NBA season and all that. So you have to look at those times and say – how are you going to be able to create points in an offense when you don't have one of those two in the lineup? So I, I see it as a good teaching tool when those moments happen now while everything is riding well so that you can prepare for them when things aren't always what they seem. Do you think uh, there's been some good discussions on on other blogs and, and in the media as we come approaching the December 15th trade deadline where the free agents that you signed last summer – are suddenly now eligible to be traded. And I and I think it's kind of interesting. You, we're starting to see some of the talk of it on Lakerholics.net where you don't you can't have a Lakers blog without there being a couple of guys that just want to trade almost everybody on the team. And right now, frankly, there's very few people on the team that anybody wants to trade, but there's you always look at the at the eleventh through fifteenth spots on a roster and you start to think about what you can do. What do you think, Gerald? Do you think that the Lakers should make a move before the February trade deadline and 
and who would you move and who would you target? Well, there's also the buyout market. So that's right. something that, you know, you have to look at the teams that are not doing so well around the trade deadline that will have buyout candidates. So you look at that first and foremost for a team like the Lakers, which is very cap restricted right now at this point in time. Yeah. And then also you have the issues where you do you have enough tradable assets? And yeah, that's great. Uh, well, I'll tell you this one story. I was looking at another Facebook group and I was reading that there was a debate going on between an issue where Derek Rose for Jared Dudley and Ray, no, was it was it Rajon Rondo at that time? Was it Rajon Rondo when he was hurt? So, anyways, you know, people were going back and forth, crazy, crazy. Oh, you never trade. You never trade. You never. Oh, yes, you trade. Derek Rose right now is is probably going to be a prime trade candidate because of the fact that he's scoring almost seventeen points a game. He's facilitating a lot of offense. Doesn't shoot well from the three point area, but he's still facilitate. He's that type of player the Lakers could use because, uh, you know, when you have issues at the guard spot, as far as creating offense, he's that type of player. I think he'll cost too much. And the Lakers just don't have with uh, spots 11 through 15. They're not attractive enough. You can't go to another team and say, Hey, I'm going to give you Jerry Dele for the, 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 or Troy Daniels or Quinn cook. The only marketable player that you have at this point in time on a cheap contract, that's still young that can score and fill it up if he were in a different type of offense, I think, because you'll probably see the same scenario with that you're seeing with Brandon Ingram. If you get him in his own environment, he would probably go ahead and score close to, if not 20 points a game, and that is Kyle Kuzma. So Kyle Kuzma, as much as I love him, and he's my favorite Lakers player right now, I would probably say he is the most marketable commodity at this point in time because of the fact that, A, he's cheap, B, he's young, and see he can score when he's given the opportunity. I think the I think the big problem that the Lakers have obviously is is what you referred to, and we don't have any tradable assets. Everybody likes to go out there before KCP was sort of redeemed himself, and the team supported him, and he starts shooting well. I mean, he's shooting thirty seven percent from three now, uh, and is playing top notch defense. So uh, you have to remember that he because of the rules, uh, he loses Bird's rights if he's traded. So he has a essentially a no trade clause that he can that he has to give approval to be traded. So if you take him out of the picture, because there's no way that he's going to want to get traded from the Lakers. Uh, he's a he's a clutch sports guy. Uh, LeBron loves him. AD loves him. I mean, you're not going to tell Rich Paul that you want to get a KCP to agree to a trade. So I don't think there's really anything that the Lakers can do, even if they even if they had an opportunity to trade for Iguodala. And I've tried every single possible trade for Iguodala with a, and you basically have to end up trading seven guys that people that nobody wants really, plus Kuzma to do it. Kuzma, you just can't on a on a two million dollar contract or a million nine contract, you just can't get your value back for him. So you're not going to trade him. I think what's overrated a little bit is that number one, there's if you look at the roster from top to bottom, the Lakers have been a perfect storm of almost every single player achieving his best possible version of himself at this point in time in their careers, um, which is really unusual, you know, because that that's truly a perfect storm. The only exceptions probably would be at this point in time would probably be 80s three-point shooting, Bradley's three-point shooting, and Kyle Kuzma just not, you know, not having fully recovered from missing training camp and having that injury. 
But, but also that, facilitating him in the offense. He, right. I think he's talented enough, and the environment is such that I think by the time we get to, let's say, the middle of January and you're looking at the trade deadline coming up in early February, I think Kuzma's going to become that third scorer. But what's really fascinating is is the consistency of the bench and the way that, uh, that Bogle has handled a 10-player rotation. Um, I did a list of the stats, of uh, the player stats, for the Lakers, and what's fascinating about it is that they have nine players averaging seven points or more per game, and the tenth player is Alex Caruso, averaging five point seven points per game. So you you made you don't have you have you have Davis at twenty seven points per game, James at thirty six points twenty six points per game, and then you go down and you got following you got Kuzma at eleven point one, Bradley at nine point six, Rondo at eight point five. Green at 8.2, KCP at 8.0, McGee at 7.2, Howard at 7.0, and Caruso at 5.7. That's the reason why the Lakers have the number four offense in the league and they're number one in three-point, and they're, they're number six in three-point shooting, number one in total field goal percentage. So I don't think we need anything else on the offensive end. I think we still lack a, another strong, bigger wing defender so that we don't have the situation where KCP is guarding Kawhi Leonard uh, like it was in the very first game. We need a Iguodala. And I don't think, unless somebody makes a move just to prevent him from signing with the Lakers as a buyout candidate, I don't think that we're going to make any other moves. Now, we may we may look for a scorer to come in, um, but I, I think that's only going to happen if somebody unusual that you don't expect to come on the market comes on the market. There's a chemistry to this team that extends all the way down to guys like Dudley, guys like uh, Cook, guys like Daniels, and and I think also guys like Boogie. You know, you, you sit there and they say, what are the Lakers keeping Boogie for? They're keeping Boogie to make sure that Anthony Davis signs this summer because Anthony Davis wants DeMarcus Cousins as his long-term center next to him. He's a three-point shooting center. He's a stretch five for the Lakers, as well as being a guy who can – bang in the inside and take those take those hard defensive situations so the lakers aren't going to are going to are going to be very careful not to wreck the chemistry that they've got going right now and i think all of the concerns honestly about what happens during the periods of time when we're missing ad and lebron on the floor and there will be times there are going to be times when one of them is dinged up or one of them is in foul trouble and the other one you know can't handle all of the minutes that are happening but I think we have the pieces in-house, and I think the Lakers are going to try to just hold on to everybody they've got. I don't look them, don't see them making any moves at all unless it was Iguodala coming in, and that would probably force them to either let Dudley go or Daniels or, or Cook, one of those three. I don't think that they're going to drop Cousins off of the lineup at this point in time either. There's a real chance he could come back even for the playoffs. I almost hope he doesn't just because we've seen what happens when with the Warriors, when guys come back too early and, you know, you're, you're, you're building for the future. I look at him as a guy that, that we've stored in Europe or, or a future draft choice that nobody really expected that we would have. He's a bonus coming in next year and we can sign him on a two-year deal for, for our MLE or part of our MLE next year and have him locked up for his bird rights so that we can pay him anything we want down the road. So I see the Lakers in, in just being in a perfect position at this point in time. I think they're going to go through December. They may lose a couple more games, but they're going to finish December with a good four or five game lead on the rest of the West. And, and I think it'll be a streak home from that point in time. 
we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Well, I'm certainly not going to doubt you, that's for sure. I did I did last week, and look what that did, you know. Let's hope for some good things out on the road, because like you said, it's five games in ten days. And again, you're talking about the rest of the month. As I spoke to TJ Johnson on last week's show uh, as well, I think if we get out of the month with still a three or four game lead, I think that'll be saying something. I think that'll be a message to the league that we mean business. I don't want to compare the West to the East. I know you were comparing earlier, you know, you have teams with three, five, and six losses. I can't compare those records personally because I think the West is still tougher than the East. I think Milwaukee has a distinct advantage in getting the the overall best record because the teams that they play more often than the Lakers will. So I I think there's an inherent advantage there. So I'm not choosing apples for apples. I still think Milwaukee is not quite as good as they were last year just because of the fact you don't have Malcolm Brogdon around. I agree with that 100%. He was great for them in the playoffs. So so I'm just saying that they might not have another 60-game win season, they might even go through the East this time because there's no Kawhi or LeBron. But still, there I don't think as of yet, unless they add another piece, which they very well might, are still the same team that they were last year's because of the fact that they've lost Malcolm Brogdon. So I'm I'm still gauging what the Eastern Conference does, but there is an inherent advantage because the bottom end, you know, when you play the Knicks more than you <laughs> often, you know, as yeah. a team, then the Lakers will. I mean, the Lakers only played them twice. Some of these teams at the top will still play them two or three times. You know what? You got an inherent advantage that the Lakers can't help. So I would probably see the Lakers right now if they come out of the month of December with a three or four game lead like they have now, you know, probably holding on to the NBA's uh, top record in the West, but having the overall top record, that would be hard to come by against a Milwaukee team that could still play cupcakes that are on their schedule more often than the Lakers do. Yeah, I think one of the things that that really has, I think, been a positive on this team, and and one of the things I've written about at Lakerholics.net, is that the Lakers have sort of gone old school against the rest of the NBA. While everybody else is zigging, the Lakers have gone with a lineup that that has gotten bigger. They take turn small ball on its on its rear, really. And when you look at the size of the Lakers from top to bottom. They're doing two things that have made a difference, which is really something that is also going to be, I think, a big factor when you come down to seeding. And what they've done is the shot blocking that they're doing and leading the league with shot blocker and also the number of dunks. They lead the lead in dunks. 
that's a physicality of scoring at the rim that nobody else in the league has. And once you get into the playoffs, the Lakers can play fast or they can play slow. But once you get into the playoffs, those are the types of offensive focuses and defensive focuses that allow you to win at home and on the road. And if the Lakers continue to shoot as well as they do from out from deep, that's almost an impossible to defend situation because they can, they can win now when their three point shooting is not there because of their defense and their attacking of the rim. So this physical bully ball offense and defense that the Lakers have put in is very intimidating to other teams during the regular season. And it's deadly once you come to the playoffs. So I'm not worried if the Bucks end up, I think that there's a good chance just like you do that they'll end up with more wins because of the cupcake bottom of the Eastern conference. But at the same time, I don't think the Lakers have any fear at all about going into, into a say uh, Milwaukee four times in order to win a series. I think that the Lakers have proven that they know how to win on the road. Um, that's one of the real strengths of this team that, that they have a formula that doesn't really matter where they are. They don't need a home court advantage in order to be the best team in the league. I think they'll prove that through the next five games and we should go into January. Then I think it's just going to be a run down the stretch. The only thing that can derail the train at this point in time is an injury. Uh, If we could only play the Knicks four times this year, (laughs) only if. Would you, how'd you like to coach the Knicks? Who's going to be the next coach of the Knicks? Talk about a tough job, huh? Oh, yeah, that's a tough job indeed. But I think just the sentiment there would probably push Mark Jackson into the role. That would probably be my favorite there. I just think it starts from the top. It starts with the yeah, owner, starts with the GM, right. president, Steve Mills. They all got to go. They yeah. all have to go. They need to clean house as an organization. They have no direction. The youth that they have there is not skilled enough. The positions – especially the the point guards it's it's atrocious they've got five point guards and they really none of them are any good five point guards and five small forwards yeah no no five power forwards they they, they five power for no five power forwards and they probably would have signed more if you would have asked so yes and they're just no direction at all i to me i'm just telling you right now i think i would just the whole from dolan on down i would just wipe it all clean and, and start over because at this point, there's absolutely zero direction for the team. They have no skill when it comes out there and no drive. And, and they just feel like a defeated team already. And the problem is with the way the league sets up the rules, tanking is no longer something that is totally yeah. beneficial like before. I mean, you can't do the Sam Hinky thing as far as the, you know, as far as the way he go, went ahead and, and built this team. And, that's another thing that gets me is he helped build the Philadelphia Sixers the way they are today. And he doesn't enjoy the spoils of it, but that's another issue altogether. And then the league got involved in that and all that. So I don't want to go on that. That's another podcast altogether. You're right about, you're right about the coaching situation there because it's the sad thing is that you got a, you got a good, fairly young coach 45 years old in Fisdale. And there were a lot of people that told him before he took that job says, you know, you're going to kill your career by taking this job, but you're going to pad yeah. your wallet. Yeah, I pad your wallet may be one thing, but I don't think David Fisdale is mostly. He's going to end up spending the rest of his career as an assistant coach. No doubt about that. And take that for data. And the next guy take who takes that the job, for data. And the next job, the next guy who takes the job is going to be a fool. That they are, you know. I, 
it's like I said, it just the team has no direction from yeah. top to bottom, and it just seems like the Knicks are spiraling out of control. And I don't see any. Start, you got to start at the top and put somebody in there. And this just points back to the Lakers situation. Look at the difference between when Magic Johnson was in charge of this team, and today when Rob Palenka is in charge of the team. There's a collaborative atmosphere where everybody is on the same page from the head coach down to the superstars on the team down to the last man on the roster. It's a chemistry that has really been created because of, of the approach that Palinka has taken in number one, choosing the coach where he didn't alienate the people in the organization. He instead worked with them. He worked with Jeannie Buss. He worked with all of the people in the organization that everybody said were not going to allow them to make the right decisions and so forth. So he's, he really, I think, started with a, a whole thing of getting everybody in the front office on the same page. And then he got the coaches on the same page, the superstars on the same page. And then he made sure that the superstars and the coaches were involved in every single decision that they made on the roster. And the net result is a lineup, is a roster of 15 guys that just love each other. And you can see that in the way that they support each other when one guy's going bad and so forth. It's something that if you, you look at an organization like the Knicks where Mills is they consistently have an owner, first of all, who tries to interfere at the wrong times, uh, a general manager who doesn't really know what he's doing. And then you bring in a coach and the coach has absolutely no chance to really change the culture that's created by the ownership and, and front office in the organization. It's a sad thing for basketball because obviously that's a huge market uh, and a historical market that, you know, that everybody would like to see succeed. But uh you can't do that unless you start at the very top and bring somebody really good in. You know, they, they should have gone after David Griffith and, and, or somebody like that who had that ilk and made the right decisions, you know. And now they're sitting here talking about what coach to hire without even any conversations at all about the front office. There's a reason why those guys all went to the Nets and not the Knicks. This is true. This is true. Well, I'll tell you what, David Griffin was sitting out there for almost uh, – actually over a year – yeah. He was on Sirius XM, and you could just hear how I listen to him there every yeah, day. bright and attentive he was, and the fact that you know he built the Cavs to what it was, and and to for him to not, in fact, the Sixers and several other organizations during that period of time had the opportunity to go ahead and bring him in and chose not to, and yeah, it doesn't look great for the Pelicans right now. It looks it was looking a lot better in the summer after the AD yeah. trade and the, and getting Zion and all that, but. I wouldn't mind the collection of talent that they have going forward. You can go ahead and rearrange all those assets again for other assets that might fit better. Yeah. And so, Griff can do that. He's he's a, he's a great wheeler dealer. Plus, but I think the next the next only hope really is to hire somebody just to get through the rest of the season and then try to lure him aside and give him ownership and total control. That's the only thing that'll save the franchise. Plus, Brandon Ingram is also going to be made available at some point in time in trade because you know he's going to be signing a, a mega contract in the summer. So you've got that as a major asset right now to going forward as well. So, yeah, it, things could be tougher for the New Orleans Pelicans, but David Griffin's done a good job assembling assets that yeah. going forward will help the team long term. As far as the Knicks are concerned, I don't know. There, there's Besides their only chance. I think the words dumpster fire is as most appropriate for that team yeah. right now. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. 
Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, all right, my friend. It's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by and talking about the Lakers' continued dominance with the best record in the NBA as we speak at 21-3. and I do want to ask you before you go on out if you got some stuff going on at Lakerholics.net because the conversation there is flowing hot and heavy. Like you said, there's a lot of people talking about this, that, this, and the other changes. I want this. I want that. I want to tweak this, tweak that. You know, we need to get this guy. We need to get this guy. But you know what? Whether you're on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to Los Angeles Lakers, there's always something great to talk about when it comes to Lakerholics.net. Well, we're, we're almost in the process. I think within another two or three weeks, we're going to uh, be unveiling our brand new website. We've got a lot of different things that are going on that we're setting up for the new site. It's uh, yeah, It's been nine years since we first started the site, so um, we're hoping to, to, to really get a fresh look to the thing. We've got some new features. We're going to have uh, in-game messaging uh, set up going on, as well as uh, several other writers joining us. Um, I've uh, been promised by a guy, Daryl Glassford, that he's going to do some writing for the site. So we're really excited about what's happening there. Um, the conversations have been great. And I think one of the things that sort of is is really reflective of the intelligence and the the faith of the fans on this site is that all of a sudden now, for after six years of, of disappointment and after the last couple of years of, of all of the haters coming out for Rondo, for KCP, for Dwight Howard, and so forth. It's really sort of a redemptive period at Lakerholics.net because everybody now is just thrilled with Dwight Howard. They're, and actually, the amount of support you see coming out for people saying that, you know, apologizing for having not believed in Rob Belenka, uh, for thinking that it was a wrong decision to hire Frank Bogle, for thinking the Lakers were crazy to sign Dwight Howard, you know. Uh, or bringing back Rondo, or bringing back KCP, uh, and a few doubters that that wondered whether or not, oh, we gave up the we gave up the kitchen sink and everything else for Anthony Davis. All of a sudden, everybody sees those pieces coming together. So it's a great time. And if you want to celebrate Laker wins, the next day uh, or that night after the game, log into Lakerholics.net, and and you'll find a lot of people that are you can share the experience and then share the fun. Once again, that's Lakerholics.net. you got to be a part of the conversation today and see a lot of great things going on by Laker Tom, also as well, Jamie Sweet, and so many other great individuals there at Lakerholics.net. Well, all right, my friend, it's been a great episode. Give me a prediction on the next week ahead for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'll, I'll predict it out through the uh, – the next. we've got three games coming this week. I think it's Orlando, Miami, and then uh, Atlanta. Uh, I think we're going to go 3-0 and on that. Well, I um, think right now I, I'm going with you what you said earlier in the show, four out of five. Yep. I can clearly see that happening. Whether or not they have enough gas in the tank by the time they reach Milwaukee, that's, you know, hopefully that energy from playing the top team in the East will probably, you know, will hopefully reinvigorate them right. to an extent, but that's still a tough task to do at the end of your well, road trip. Remember how they came out in the back-to-backs in uh, in uh, Denver and uh, Utah? They came out on that back-to-back at Utah, and Bogle, is, Bogle has really gotten these guys to buy into living in the moment. 
And the whole point being is you don't worry about the last game and you don't look forward to the next game. Instead, you put your focus on this game. That's the right way to play basketball. That's why we've been successful so far in the season. And I think that's the way we're going to, that's going to carry us through this road trip. And it's going to be the thing that'll carry us through the playoffs. Well, let's hope hope it leads to more sock sliding from LeBron coming up in the next few days, because I know it's great to see when he goes around sliding in socks and the team is all loving (laughs) it and all celebrating and whatnot. So that means it's good things for Lakers fans as well. So, you know what, if he's going to be sliding around in socks, you know, where he's at, I think I will do it here in the house as well. I got my socks on right now, ready to go. There you go. There you go, my friend. Well, it's great having you on the show as always. Looking forward to our next conversation next week. If you have questions out there, please just give us a holler. Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. Also as well, at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. And then, of course, if you get a chance, you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we truly, truly hope that you can go ahead and give us that five-star review, that five-star review. That will go ahead and help us move up in the food chain so that more Lakers fans like you listening out there will get a chance to listen to all everything everything that's great coming down the road, whether it's Laker Tom, TJ Johnson, or whoever else is going to stop by the show and continue listening to great stuff from us right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.